Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And you know this story in your Bible. These wise men. <clears throat> says verse 11, when they were coming to the house. Again, this is not at the same time that Jesus was born. Jesus is known as a child. So it's at least six months. Could be even longer. We don't know how long it's been. But he's in a house now. He's not in the, the manger. <laughs> he's not at the same time. But that doesn't matter. Just my point is, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. So who are they looking for? Not Mary, not Joseph, not the sheep, not all the stuff that are around there, but they were looking for that baby. And when they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh, very expensive gifts. You don't pick those up at the Euro shop, all right? <laughs> I saw a lot of men in your Euro store yesterday. I was with them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Tightwads. <laughs> don't rub it in. Anyway, why would they bring such gifts? It's because that child born in Bethlehem was so worthy of such gifts. Jesus is worthy of gold, frankincense, myrrh. Because of who he is. He is the son of God. Not just the son of Mary. He's the son of God. And he is the king of kings. The king of the Jews. He's the king of the whole earth. And he's lord of lords. From his birth. As a matter of fact. If you go back to chapter 2. In verse 1. It says. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king. Behold there came wise men from the east. To Jerusalem. Now they went to the wrong place because they didn't know about Bethlehem yet. But verse 2, they said, where is he that is, look at the next two words, born king. We're not looking for the guy that's going to become king. You better understand this. Even though Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet, even though he's not ruling this world physically, presently, right now, he is still king of kings. And he's very gracious for not to step down and bring judgment on this world. Yet he's given grace for people still to get saved before it's too late. But he is king because of they were worshiping him and giving gifts because of who Jesus was and because of what Jesus was going to do. Do you know what Jesus did? He did what no Avenger ever did. Because Avengers aren't real. Comic book heroes aren't real. But Jesus came and he has the ability to save the whole world. That's why they worshiped him. So what about today, though? What about if you go to Romans chapter 12 now? This is where we're going to spend our time. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. <clears throat> we read verse 2 this month. Last month we did verse 1 of chapter 12. And this month we've been memorizing verse 2. They go together as a package, all right? And Paul speaks to our Christmas. Even though he's not. this is not primarily a Christmas verse, he tells about a gift. He says that, there, that Jesus is worthy of more than just gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He's worthy of something much more valuable. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Would you, would you, you don't have to stand, but if you will just read it aloud with me together. Ready? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable 
and perfect will of God. You see, Jesus is, uh, you know, people are very stingy. They're, they're scroogey with their money, with their time, with, with everything about them. But Jesus is not... This is not about whether Jesus is worthy of your money, whether you're worthy of your gold, of your possessions. The question is, is he worthy of your life? That's what he's looking for. Now, I uh, sat down, uh, and I like writing when, I'm, when, I, when it comes to Christmas or when it comes to special events. I like just sitting down and, and writing poems. Now, most of them I don't ever do anything with, but this one I really liked, and I'm going to take Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'm going to make them rhyme, and listen to this. It goes this way. Beseeching means to plead with men, this thing will say good, to notice the gifts that God has given to sinful people, yes, you and me. This is not going to be fun. They're undeserved, but God's mercy is free. That's why at Christmas we all must give one gift to God that the world forbids. A life that once was owned by sin, now a living sacrifice can be our greatest win. Living each day both holy and clean, it will cost us our comfort and things unseen. It's reasonable that we, who have been bought with a price, give back to the Lord our life born twice. But don't give to God what was formed by this world. Give a mind transformed and changed by God's word. And all will see and will prove that it's good to live out God's will, pleasing him like you should. So all the gifts we may put under a tree are not to be compared to the one I should give me. So when we come to Romans 12, you got to put yourself into that and go, he's talking about me. So we actually owe God our very lives. It's, it's just without a doubt, the greatest gift that a Christian can give to the Lord is me. So I know it's the day before Christmas and you've got all your gift shopping done, but you haven't done all your gift giving yet, have you? So let's start with verse 1, and let's read there in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to just ponder the statements as we go along. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, notice that next word, that you gift yourself. That's what he's saying, isn't it? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me start off and say what I, I'm just going to list through these thoughts and give you some pondered thoughts. Number one. The gift that Paul is talking about is a neglected gift. That's why he uses the word, I beseech you. He doesn't just say, I remind you. No, he says, I'm trying to get your attention. Paul knew what it was like to, get, to try to get the attention of a distracted people. In Paul's day, Christianity was illegal. These were Christians in Rome who were struggling just to, to eke out a life and a livelihood because they could not just come out and say, I'm a Christian. They couldn't, didn't have the freedom to meet in a big hall like this. They didn't have what we take for granted. They were hunted and they were slaughtered. They were mocked and they were abused. And these people who were Christians, Paul says, I, I, I gotta get your attention. Out of all the things that are keeping your attention, I need you to remember to give a gift. I want you to have a lifestyle of giving, even though you're having to run for your life. And I know what it's like. 
I know what it's like to look under your Christmas tree and, and, and worry if everyone has enough gifts under it. You ever done that? You ever looked and go, oh, I don't have enough gifts for, for Connor. Oh, I forgot Nita, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what we do. And, and so, but Paul says, don't worry about all the things that you can buy. Paul begs and pleads with his readers not to forgive, forget to give one gift to God. There's only one thing, full, thing that is needful at Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, and that is you. Let me take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. Hold Romans, go back to the left, find Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Roman, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. This is about two sisters and their brother. And it's Martha and Mary, not the mother of Jesus, but Martha and Mary are sisters. And um, Jesus comes by and he sits and he wants to just spend time with this small family. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they, the disciples, went that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So far, so good. Sounds like Christmas where somebody just shows up, amen? Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. Verse 40, but Martha, what was she doing? She was making, she was making the turkey dressing, amen? <laughs> Martha was cumbered about much serving and she came to him. I can just see her. I mean, the fangs are out, the claws are out, the sweat is pouring down her face. And she, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Can you hear her tone? <laughs> it's just oozing with frustration, anger. Bid her. She's being real nice. She's saying, tell her, therefore, that she helped me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful, we say full of care, but careful and troubled about many things. She's probably got four things in the oven and four on top. And troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Notice that? How many things are needful? One. Only one. At Christmas, you know, you say, I haven't got, I don't have any money. I haven't got enough gifts. I haven't got. Only one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, that good part gift which shall not be taken away from her you know a child grows up getting 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 and then they get to the place where they discover it's more blessed to give at least you're supposed to learn that amen <laughs> and you you know martha needed to learn that the gift is not in the things the gift is in you just sitting and being at jesus's feet listening and learning and yearning to be like him a life is what the Lord's looking for. Only one thing. So choose your gift at Christmas very wisely. You can choose the busyness, the big meal, the stress, the frustrations, or you can choose the better gift like Mary did. Now, so the Christmas present you need to give and I need to give, not just at Christmas either, is a neglected gift. We forget. That's why it's very important at Christmas, maybe Christmas Eve, you ought to stop everybody and sit down and just read Luke chapter 2. And go, this is Christmas, amen? Yes. Not the tree, not the presents, but Jesus. It's a neglected gift. Secondly, it's an owed gift. Now, that's a strange phrase, I know, but every Christian in this room is a gift that we all owe back to God. 
Look in verse 1 again of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now just hold there for a moment. Did you notice those words that we just read right over? By the mercies of God. You see, we actually owe God our very lives because of all of the kindness that God has showed towards us when he shouldn't have. You say, God's a loving God. You better believe he is. But have you ever thanked him for the fact that he should have probably judged you and condemned you a long time ago? Yes. And he's still waiting for you to get saved or get right. And it's because of God's mercies. Because of him giving me chance after chance. Do you know, do you understand? My first birth was a messed up, ruined life that I got from my parents that will end in death. And if I'm not saved, will end in hell forever. And God steps in and gives me a whole new life. That's the mercies of, that's the mercy of God. And here I am. Here you are sitting today, a product of the mercy of God. And because of all those mercies, now Paul has spent 11 chapters telling us about the mercies of God, about the grace of God, about the patience of God, about the love of God. And because of all of that towards us, don't we owe him anything? The life which you and I now live is not ours, not anymore. Look in Ephesians, you're in Romans, look to the right. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. I love how Paul writes this. It is, it's absolutely overwhelming in, in its awe. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace. Grace is is just, that's me getting what I don't deserve. Mercy is me not getting what I do deserve. <laughs> and he says, I just want to praise his attitude towards me, which is very gracious, he says, wherein he, God, had made us accepted in the beloved, in that family of God, verse 7, in whom, in Jesus, we have redemption. What's the next three words? Look at the cost. See, God just doesn't look down on the earth and go, ah, you're all forgiven. No, somebody's got to pay. Yes. Now, if I pay, it's going to take for eternity. If Jesus pays, it just takes three days. Amen. Actually, it only took the time on the cross. But he paid, and it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Carry out that S for a while because there's a lot of them. <laughs> According to the riches of his grace. Lamentations, don't go there, but Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah writes this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, his mercy, fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So every morning you wake up and those eyes open up and you breathe and you can speak and you can stand and you can go to the kitchen and eat your cornflakes and get in the car and go to work is the mercy of God. And because God's been gracious to you, merciful to you, we owe it to him to give him our life. Galatians, you're in Ephesians. Go back to the left. Go one book to the left and find the book of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20.
Galatians 2 and verse 20, probably one of my all-time favorite scriptures to not only memorize, but to meditate and to just, mm, just enjoy. Look what he says in, in, in challenge. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. That's who I identify with. Nevertheless, I live. All right. So, yeah, some there's a part of me died when I trusted Jesus Christ because he got nailed to the same cross he did. Nevertheless, here I am today. I live. Yet it's not I living now, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, life which we have now is not our own to live. Can you say that? Can you say, or have you ever decided, you know what, Lord, these hands, this feet, these feet, these eyes, they belong to you. I know what, I, what happens when they belong to me. I know what happens when I just act on my own will. But the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by your faith. I live by your word. I live by your command. I live like you. See, that turns into the third aspect of this thing, and that's what Paul says. He says it's a living gift. Go to Romans, back to Romans 12 and verse 1. We're still just pondering this verse. You say, is that, is, is that important? This is what the Bible was meant to be. Four is not meant for you just to breeze through, but to stop every once in a while and just, wow, enjoy the truth. And he says, I beseech you, I'm begging you, therefore, brethren, because of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what kind of sacrifice? All right, now, God doesn't normally ask us to die for him, amen? <laughs> Doesn't normally ask us to sacrifice our lives for him. Other religions do. Presidents, prime ministers may come along and ask you to give your ultimate sacrifice for the country. But God doesn't ask for a dead sacrifice. He asks for a living one. God just asks for us to live for him. Why? Hmm. Let me put it this way. Have you not found that it's almost always easier to give to God the end of your life? than the day-to-day -day living out of our life? It's almost easier. Well, when I die, I want my death to be wonderful. What? God would like your life now. In other words, it will be a sacrifice when you actually live your life as a gift to the Lord Jesus. Let me give you an illustration. A child, <laughs> you take a child to go shopping for his brother. Jimmy, we're going to go shopping for your brother. What do you think he'd like? And what does Jimmy normally want? To buy for his brother what he wants. Yes. So he says, oh, I think he'll love the train, Dad. Oh, Dad, I think he'll love that. Or I think he'll love that. And so you buy the thing and you wrap it up. And then on Christmas Day, you can watch Jimmy as his brother takes the gift. And Jimmy's eyes begin to well up with tears. And then his brother rips it open. He goes, this is great. And then Timmy's heart begin Jimmy's heart begins to sink. And then he opens it up and he begins to play with it. And Jimmy says, I want that gift. <laughs> and Jimmy has to make a sacrifice of, I gave that to my brother. And you see what we do when we come to God and we pretend like we're giving God something. We actually are giving him something. We're saying, but I'm giving you what's easy. I'm giving him something that I don't want. But it's hard to give what we do want, which is our life. 
because when it is in somebody's hand, others when it's in someone else's hands, it's hard to watch them use it. And that's what do you know what worship is. Worship is you surrendering, and all your attention is on God being in control. Is you surrendering and saying, God, this is who I am, and my life is now yours. And yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's not what I would do, but I give you my life. It belongs to you. That's what a living sacrifice is, a living gift. Um, in Exodus chapter 20, it talks about well, lots of different things. In, in the Old Testament, worship required a sacrifice. Living animals were sacrificed on an altar, and that was a place where life was given for a life. The innocent, a lamb, a lamb has no fangs. A lamb doesn't devour and kill. But the innocent was being put to death for the guilty. It's a very important swap so that sinners could be forgiven. It is called the sacrifice for sins under the Old Testament. But thankfully, one sacrifice has been finished, didn't it? Hebrews calls it one sacrifice forever. Hallelujah. It's called salvation. But that's not the end of the story. The life we now have ought to be a living sacrifice to God. That means give the moment of your days, even when it costs you a lot to do it. Um, Sam back there, I saw him come in. Are you still back there? You know what? <clears throat> Having a new baby comes with some high costs. Sleepless nights. Sacrifice of your wants and needs, doctor bills, grouchiness, messy nappies, lots of messy nappies. Years and years of exhausting work having a kid, especially the homework. Yet all of us parents who had kids willingly gave our moments and our days because of our love for our children. We didn't care the cost. They generally are worth it, right? Amen. Somebody else says, of course. <laughs> Well, Paul pleads with us to sacrifice our lives now his way and say, Lord, you're worthy too. The measure of our love for God is not found in coming to church for one, one and a half hours on a Sunday. The measure of your love for God is whether when you're finished here into the busyness of this day, whether you're washing the wear, whether you're, you're cleaning out the garage or whether you're hoovering the car, or whether whatever you're doing, that you take some time and you spend it with Jesus. Giving God the moments. It's very convicting because I think one of these days when we get to heaven, Christian, the Lord's going to play the tape. Remember that phrase? He's going to say, Led better, you fooled everybody down there. But let's see how, how close you stayed with me or how much you lived without me. And I'm not going to be judged uh, as a sinner, but I will be judged as a son who missed opportunity after my opportunity to walk with my Savior like I was called to. You want to know some sacrifices that you could make right now? Hebrews 13 says this. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to our God continually. Today's a pretty good day. I hope everybody's sort of happy, joyful. Amen. But what about three days from now? The Bible says a sacrifice comes from a Christian when we just keep praising the Lord. Isn't that good? When you can stop and thank God. For the trials of your faith lately, 
that have helped you to depend upon God more than ever before, that's the sacrifice of praise. When you're thankful instead of complaining, when you just stop and you worship the name of Jesus, when you want to cry. Hebrews 13 goes on, it says, Do good and, communic and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. <laughs> doing good means doing good to undeserving people. Communicating and giving to their needs instead of arguing with them and demeaning them. These are sacrifices that are much better than sheep and goats and gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's a living gift. It's a gift to just give as you live, not just on Christmas. Fourth, oh, by the way. Um, I don't know where my list is. I had a nice list. And my printer printed out everything wrong today, so I'll probably just quit and give up, right? Here we are. Living things make better gifts. Did you know that? A tree is a pretty nice gift. It produces fruit. It provides shade. It holds soil and is home for animals as it gets bigger. Do you know what else is a neat gift to give at Christmas? A chicken. You know, it's amazing to me. They are coming back in popularity. More and more. You know, chickens, they're pretty cool. They produce lots of eggs. They even produce a lot of fun. I mean, you chase after a chicken, you will love it. Then there are those guys. You know, a puppy could be a great gift. You know, a puppy brings so much joy and so much hair. <laughs> Aren't living things much better than PlayStations? Hmm? Amen. And smartphones. Well, my nine-year-old wants an iPhone 15. What do I do? <laughs> Get him a dog. <clears throat> Man. Get him a chicken. <laughs> you get whatever you need, but a would you not just agree the minute? Jesus. Jesus deserves a living gift. Amen? Not a dead one. You say, well, when I die, I'll praise God. No, you won't. Dead bodies don't praise God. Now, your spirit will praise him in heaven. But that doesn't count. It's easy to praise God in heaven. When you praise God, when it goes against every bit of strength you've got and every bit of weakness you've got, and you still praise God, that matters. And that's a gift. It must be a sacrificial gift. He goes on. He says there in chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, here's our next word, sacrifice. Hmm. Oh, by the way, I've got to use this illustration. Ha, ha, ha. I never had it. Um, the greatest gift you can bring to God each day is yourself. Here's a guy who just proposed to somebody. He proposes to his girlfriend on their wedding day. Six months later, he doesn't show up. And he sends a card and a gift. What's wrong with that? <laughs> you know what she wanted? She wanted him. Amen. She didn't want a card, want a gift. She wants him. And you know, on your anniversary, you know, at Christmas, you know, whatever is going on, you know what you prefer? A person. You want them. And you know what God wants? It's not a card and a gift. He wants us. So it must be a sacrificial gift. And like I said, a sacrifice is something you let go of. 
You know, when you give to God your days and your nights, it's not easy. Uh, I'm going to find where I am. It must be a sacrificial gift. It will cost you mm, just about everything. As I've already said, I know I mixed two things together. Just put up with me for a second. Pretend like I'm just perfect along here, all right, for a second. But that word sacrificial is what we only know of monetarily. You know, somebody says, I want a PlayStation. You say, PlayStation 2, right? <laughs> They're going at, at cash converters for 99 euros, you know. And we think of a sacrifice only financially. But what about when it's a sacrifice emotionally, physically? When it's a sacrifice, that's when it's well-pleasing unto God. Nobody on this planet is worthy of your life but Jesus. What would you do? You came to Christmas. And you brought everybody taken care of. You got all the gifts there. And then if you bowed your head and say, Lord... It's my turn to give to you. Could you say, here I am? This year, going into 2024, is a year I want to live for you. I have lived for the money. I have lived for the boss. I've lived for the wife. <laughs> I've lived for the kids. I've lived for everything else. This year is your year. That's Christmas. You say, is that going to be easy? Not on your life. Because when you finally surrender, wow, it is pleasing to the Lord. It blesses him. Because you are his gift. He didn't die on the cross for all the gold mines. He didn't die on the cross for anything else in this planet but you. So he wants you. Another thought that I got out of this verse, it says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's not present when you're 90 years old. That's not you present when, when, when there's, uh, you know, when it's my New Year's resolution. It's something you give starting today and every day thereafter. You know what it is? It's called a present. Not a past, not a future, but a right now thing. You need to make sure that this gift is an acceptable gift. Now, I think it's kind of funny. You know, uh, you ever had somebody give you something that was just like, what a waste. <laughs> if you ever buy me a pink tie, that is not what I want. <laughs> There are things that we think we can do that are acceptable to God, and they're not. That's why he goes on and he says, holy, acceptable unto God. Make sure it's an acceptable gift. You know, when we were lost, we had nothing to give to God. We came as we were, sinful, wicked, lost, messed up. We were unholy. and We gave up hands empty. And that's when we received the gift of God, Jesus, by faith. We, we brought nothing to God, and we walked away with the Son of God. Isn't that awesome? I already, in, I had Christmas, out of all of my Christmases, at 17 years old, my real first Christmas was June 15, 1980, when I got the greatest gift ever, and that was Jesus coming to my life. 
but now I can give something of value. You know, um, uh, give your wife a drill or a sledgehammer. No, don't give her a drill or a sledgehammer. She might wonder how to use it. <laughs> Especially on you. Give to something that will bless her. And giving God something that pleases him and is accepted to him is something that has changed you into holiness. Into, look what he says there, holy and acceptable unto God. When we were saved, we were cleaned up, we were washed, we were forgiven. Do you know what happens as we go through life? We get soiled. And you wonder why I got saved three years ago and the joy has gone out. It happens to everybody. Just like when you got married, the thrill of that first week is amazing. Six months later, you're wondering where did the thrill go? Oh, it's still there. It's still there. But what has happened was you forgot to keep that relationship priority and holy and acceptable where you, your life was to bless her instead of, I right, know what are you going to do for me? And when we come to God and we say, Lord, I just want to be acceptable in thy sight. I just want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And when we come to God and we say, I want my life to be acceptable unto you, I quickly pick up my Bible and I get into the word of God and let it wash me. I let it teach me and I start to obey it and I believe it. And all of a sudden my life gets cleaned up once again. I don't need to get saved again, but I do get washed again. I get cleansed, cleaned up. First John chapter one says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, thankfully he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us right now from all unrighteousness. So when you're got People coming over, you got family over for Christmas and you reach up into the cabinet and you grab that cup and it has not been washed. What do you do with it? You smash it, right? <laughs> Throw that thing away. That's what the Russians do. No, you get, you get that cup and it's not been washed. You reach into the sink and you pull it out and you go, this has got to be washed before I let it be used. When you get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I want my life to be pleased unto you, get washed. Actually, stuff that goes on inside of your head, stuff coming into your eyes, stuff that's coming into your ears, soiling, defiling, messing you up, discouraging you, pulling you away, needs to be confessed and forsaken and say, Lord, clean me up. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I ask the word of God, be powerful enough this morning to cleanse me and make me usable by you. That's a gift. I want to be acceptable unto you. Go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I dare you to be different than the world around you. I dare you to start living like Christ Jesus would if he were in your shoes. I dare you to start treating other people like Jesus would. I dare you to forgive them like he forgave you. I dare you to be a blessing to everyone instead of always a complainer and a problem. I wrote this down. I know that Christmas is usually not about the gifts that people give and receive is really is about the gifts so many people refuse to give like forgiveness i cannot forgive so and so i will not forgive i'm not going to respect that person i don't care i hope he dies 
You know, there's a gift you can give, like the gift of forgetfulness on purpose. God does. I mean, the almighty, eternal, omniscient God chooses to forget. That's a gift. Mm. Two more thoughts. A ready-to-go gift. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation is a constant, like renewing, a constant recharge. Don't you hate it when you buy a gift and it says batteries not included? Yeah. <laughs> or if you buy it at the Euro store and the batteries are included, but they're dead. <laughs> I can speak from experience. That's how much, that's how Christianity is today. We come into church on Sunday morning and we haven't been recharged at all. And you're expecting me to do all the recharging of you? Dead, drained, dry Christians. Mm. The life, just, just step out of here, turn on the radio, watch stuff on TV, and you are drained dry. You need to renew your thinking. You need to get in. Listen, as we go into 2024, I hope you make a commitment to read your Bible through this year. It takes only four chapters a day. That will renew your mind. It will recharge you. It will make you so that you're ready to go. Lastly, a revealing gift. Verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A Christian life, when lived according to the will of God, will always prove that God is right. Now, I know the will of God is terrifying to most people. Amen? What if God called me a missionary? Well, he did. Me. And I don't really have any problems. <laughs> Why not just give your life as a gift to God and watch God prove that his will is best? You want your kids to follow God? You want your kids to worship God? You want your kids to read their Bible? You want your kids to be in church? You be in church. You put God first. What parents do in moderation, well, I'll miss church every once in a while. Well, I don't need to read my Bible every day. Whatever parents do in moderation, children will do in excess. Well, I only drink a little bit at, at, at social gatherings. Your kids will drink themselves under the table. That's nature. They need a parent who's on fire for God, who's dedicated to God, whose life is given to God. If you want them to be living and given to God, be a revealing gift, an exposing gift, a, a, a proving gift. That his will is good and acceptable and perfect. When I got saved and God called me to be a missionary to Ireland, I kind of didn't even know where Ireland was. I mean, I lived in Texas. We were landlocked, you know. We went to the beach about once in our lifetime. So going to a place, I remember my dad saying, you're going to waste your life. Don't do it. Everybody else in my family are engineers. Lawyers, we get over them. And, and here I am, I'm going to be a preacher. You know what my life, I hope, will be, and I strive to be, proof that God's will is better. Not that I'm smarter, not that I'm more successful, nothing in comparison with the money they can make and the power they can wield. 
but that I have joy. I have a wife who has stuck with me. I have kids and grandkids. I have a place to serve God. I have a joy Amen. that the world cannot give. Now, that's not bragging. That's me saying I can prove it. I can prove it. God's ways and his will is best. You say, well, what is pastor? Pastor, God may call you to be a chemist. Just be a Christian chemist. God may be call you to be anything. That doesn't, that's not the point. You don't have to compete with me. But whatever God asks you to do, it's best. Prove it. And it'll be the greatest gift you can give to God. My Christmas present is me. And it took me a while after I got saved for me to realize my life belongs to God. And I'm glad to be able to stand here. I've been looking all for it all year to be able to preach these verses. Because when I prepared this last year, I said, I can't wait to remind everybody like Paul and say, I beseech you, I beg of you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto him who loved you and gave himself for you. Romans 12 is a plea to no longer neglect the gift that we all owe our Savior. And if you've never received the gift that God gave you, you have nothing to give back to him. You can receive the greatest gift today. You don't have to wait for Christmas. You can receive Jesus Christ into your life, into your heart, and be born again. And I tell you what, if you would do that, dear friend, it'll be the best Christmas ever. Amen. And Christian, it'll be the second greatest Christian Christmas ever if you decide to put yourself under the Christmas tree. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you started Christmas. Yes. Really, it's, it was, it's nothing like what it has become today. It was so simple. God, you didn't give money. You didn't give power. You gave yourself. You literally gave yourself. When you stepped into this world. How could it not be reasonable. For us to give ourselves back. It's not too much to ask. If every Christian in this room would take it seriously that we get to give. You gave us a second chance. You gave us a new life. You gave us. Our families. Every good gift that we've ever enjoyed has come from you. And yeah, I could try to give you my gold or frankincense and myrrh, but that's not what you're wanting. You don't need that. I get to give a gift better and more valuable than those wise men together. I get to give me. And I don't know why that matters to you. I don't know what value you see in me. But if that's what I can give, then I do. And I'm glad to, because you're worthy. If I were a shepherd and you asked for a lamb, I would gladly give it. If I were a carpenter and you needed a hammer, I would gladly give it. But as a Christian, the one thing you look for is my heart and my life. And this Christmas, I pray that we will give ourselves, present 
our bodies, our feet, our hands, our eyes, our mind, our plans, our dreams, everything about us. They may belong to you from this day forward because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your...